With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Searle, and on behalf of Capon's Men, we thank you for joining us in the Foxhole on this memorial of the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major. Our men's faith formation groups follow the example of Servant of God, Father Emil Capon, a priest from Kansas, who lived the gospel in a simple daily life all the way through his heroic actions on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camp in Korea, where he eventually died at the hands of his captors. Although Father Capon was ordered to safety during the Battle of Unsan, his response to accompany his men during the battle that ensued and their subsequent capture resulted in Father Capon becoming the most highly decorated chaplain in United States Army history. Foxhole's been honored to host guests who are making a difference in their communities, families, and their faith circles, and we explore how they, just like Father Capon, are doing the simple things in extraordinary ways. This week, we're honored to have Joseph Miller from Family Missions Company, who grew up in a missionary family and has continued in that work as his vocation. In his work of spreading the gospel, Joseph knows a great the Great Commission was not a single point in time to the original apostles, but something that we're all called to live out if we are to be truly fully alive. In doing so, Joseph sometimes places himself in great harm as evangelization is not always done where most of us are used to it, in air-conditioned spaces with cry rooms that keep us undisturbed as we worship in comfort. Joseph has lived and worked in dangerous places where Christianity is not only frowned upon, but oftentimes illegal. He brings light to the darkness because he knows we were not built for comfort, and following the Lord means denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. Before I turn it over to Joe and Joseph, I want to remind you that you can find all our resources at capensmen.com and watch our free faith formation series at form.org. You can also share this and our previous podcast with friends via Spotify or iTunes or any other podcast formats. We appreciate you helping us to share the message of Father Capon. Please give us a like and a review if you're inspired to do so. Joe's going to lead us off with a prayer, and with this, it's an honor to introduce and welcome Joe and Joseph. Good morning, brothers, and thanks for joining us in the foxhole. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Jason. Man, that was a, a powerful introduction, Jason. That was beautiful. I don't know what cry rooms you've been into, but the cry rooms that I've been into with my crew are pretty scary places sometimes. So, um, But I... Uh, I'm appreciative of it and inspired, and it, and it made me more excited for this call um, and for this conversation today than ever. Before we, we jump there, though, I just want to, again, as I try to do every week, just thank you for stopping in the podcast, for logging on this morning to the call. Time is really one of our most precious resources, and the fact that um, you're willing to spend some time with us here in the foxhole, uh, hopefully, it, one, it inspires you, but hopefully it challenges you to go out and to do some powerful stuff as we bring this good news out to a world that has uh, fallen to despair in some places. I'm going to ask you today to pray, uh, and, and as we pray, we're going to do it a little differently than we've done in the past. We're going to ask you to pray for missionaries all over the world, 
not just lay missionaries, but for the religious missionaries, and for those that um, have put themselves, as Jason just said so beautifully, in harm's way to bring the good news uh, to, to folks that have potentially never even heard the good news. Now, at the end of the prayer, um, I'm also going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray uh, for, for Bishop Kimmy, and I'm going to ask Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, um, to really enter into our prayer today. Um, because this month, this month of August, uh, Bishop Kimmy has challenged us to pray the rosary every day. He's called for a rosary crusade. And I, I just would challenge you, if you're listening and praying today, one, let's pray for missionaries. Two, let's pray for the, uh, the courage to stand, um, to stand up and to pray our rosary and to pray our rosary against COVID and just the, um, some of the craziness that our world has entered into. So I'll, I'll lead us in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray that you enter this conversation today with Joseph. I pray, uh, God, first and foremost, um, for him and for his family and for his six children, Lord, I just pray that um, whatever he's worried about today or nervous about or anxious about, that you just remove that from his heart. And I got to pray for... For the person listening today who needs the encouragement, who knows that uh, they're called to be missionary disciples in, in whatever space they're in, God, I just pray that you just open their heart uh, to hear what Joseph has to say. God, I also pray, and I just ask all those praying with me right now, Lord, to pray for missionaries all over the world, um, those that are full-time missionaries, Lord, um, and those, God, that are, are missionaries in their businesses and in their families and in their communities, um, because you've called each of us to that space. And lastly, Lord, I pray for Bishop Kimmy and for his Rosary Crusade, Lord, for a bishop, for one of our shepherds to call us to step in and to pray our Rosary at this time of craziness in our world, Lord. He's placed himself um, in the story and in the narrative, and that narrative is sometimes despair, as told by the secular world. I just pray for Bishop Kimmy and for his heart, and I pray for all of us, the faithful, that we can stand beside him um, with rosaries and hands and pray. I ask Our Lady of Victory, Our Lady of the Rosary, to be in our conversation and to pray for us today. I'm going to just ask you, Lord, um, to the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, just to hold us close. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, that was a long prayer. Jason got me all fired up. So, Joseph, <laughs> Joseph, you are a good man and one of my favorite people. And I, I just want, but I, I have a question, but I, I want to preface it with you. Yeah. Um, your parents wrote this book called Our Family's Book of Acts. And mm -hmm. as you know, Ashley and I um, had sold everything seven, six, seven years ago. That book was the book that I bet you I read. I know I read it four or five times, and I know that mm -hmm. Ashley um, read it the same. And it just touched our and, – and we didn't go do missions outside the country, but it was just the, the reckless love for Jesus um, and the trust mm -hmm. that your family had in God. And you, tr like, you were literally born in the mission. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you start maybe with a little background of how it was to grow up in missions as a kid in the missions and kind of how that formed your faith today. Yeah, awesome. No, man, I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here with you guys this morning to be able to share a little bit of my story and also, uh, to encourage and challenge men to enter in more deeply to uh, the Great Commission, which is our universal uh, call to, to serve the Lord as, as his missionary disciples. Um, yeah, I was born uh, in the Philippines in, in 1984, so uh, that means 36 years ago. And uh, my family was serving there for a time. I'm one of seven children. And 
Um, as you read in my parents' book, my mom's book, um, our family's book of Acts, God had called our family from uh, actually through a conversion experience uh, uh, from a secular life and a secular um, existence into uh, an existence that became centered upon Jesus Christ. Um, and and from that called them in 1970s uh, to sell everything they had, give alms to the poor and follow him as, as missionaries. And in the Catholic world, they had never, you know, first of all, they were new to their faith, uh, number one. Uh, number two is even... <laughs> Among those whom they encountered, they, they couldn't find really uh, necessarily a template for what they were doing in the Catholic Church. And yet God called them on this incredible adventurous odyssey of faith uh, and, and led them throughout much of the world. Uh, at the time of their call, they had one child. Uh, through their uh, conversion experience, they became open to life, uh, trying to follow the church's teachings and humanity vitae. Uh, and anyway, so... That's where I came along, uh, the, I guess at that point, um, just five kids later, uh, I'm the sixth of seven and, um, was born in the Philippines. And I think you asked, you know, what was that like growing up? I, I guess the biggest thing was that Jesus was the center of our lives. Like, I mean, our family's life didn't make sense if Jesus wasn't, you know, the center of it. Um, and, and so, I think for me as a kid, you know, it didn't seem odd to be doing the things that we were doing. Um, it just seemed normal, like this is what you do. Um, and But I think the thing that stands out is that, you know, the Lord Jesus was the center of our life. Um, and so with the things that we did, we did them because Jesus was our Lord, you know, and uh, the things that we didn't do, we didn't do them because, you know, we wanted to be faithful to, to Jesus. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I mean, that's kind of the standout thing. There's certainly some things that are interesting about, you know, growing up uh, in, in different parts of the world. But, um, yeah, that was that was the key. Can you tell us, Joseph, off the top of your head, the places you lived? Yeah, so as a family, up? in fact, yeah, definitely, thanks. As a family, um, most, well, I, for me personally, most of my life has now been here in the United States. Um, but I was born in the Philippines. Um, my family lived there for about five years. Uh, and then we moved back to the States for a season. Then we moved uh, to northern Mexico for another four years of my childhood. Ended up moving back to the States for, for a good bit. I guess it was another four years at that time. And then from there, moved to um, a small island in the Pacific Ocean called Chuk or uh, uh, Micronesia, uh, near Guam, for those of you who may be familiar with, with uh, some of that region. And um, and then our family moved back at that time. From that move back, it was kind of like the final season of our family serving as a family in foreign missions, um, because at that point, God was kind of leading uh, my parents to start and found Family Missions Company, which is a lay Catholic missionary apostolate that receives, trains, and sends out uh, supports lay Catholic missionaries who are serving all over the world today. Um, but, yeah, so that kind of journey ultimately led us here uh, to Abbeville, Louisiana, which is the, the headquarters. And um, at that time, I think I was 12 years old when we moved back to the U.S. for, for the last time. And um, since then, uh, I've, I've also done missionary work in many other parts of the world. And after graduating high school, I spent a year serving in the Philippines, and I've done some uh, short-term missionary work throughout throughout uh yeah throughout the world it's it's a it's a long list of countries and then 
um, my uh, my family and I, my wife and I, got married and felt God calling us to serve Him as missionaries. At the time, we thought we'd be married for a year and head off into the missions. God had other plans, and that road took us into service in a leadership role at Family Missions Company for uh, the last seven or eight years. And at this time, we're kind of preparing uh, to go out into missions, we hope, next year to serve the Lord as a family in India, which is uh, why my name here is Joseph Miller rather than my uh, my given name. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes perfect, that makes sense. And I think for everybody listening, uh, it, it is, this story is so unique for you, but it's not just you, Joseph. Family Missions mm-hmm. Company, I mean, you guys have families all over the world. So would it be possible if you maybe share just a couple of the stories of some of those families? And I know um, in missions we always call them glory stories. Maybe even mm-hmm. a, a glory story or two that you've seen of families that have come into family missions. Um, I know some have huge families and have gone all mm-hmm. over the world. So share a little bit of that with us. Okay. Yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, as I was saying, you know, Family Missions Company sort of is an apostle that exists to re- receive others who also, like my family, may feel God calling them to serve as as missionaries. And so it's a place to, to begin. Um, and so, yeah, today we have over 200 missionaries, families and singles who are lay, lay ministry, so these are all lay folks um, who have felt God calling them to serve for at least two years of their life uh, in foreign missions. And um, yeah, there's, you know, the glory stories abound, as as you would know, Joe. Um, there's, you know, when you go out to serve Jesus, there's always, uh, there's always amazing things that go along with that. Um, but I would say that the story that would come to mind is we have one family uh, who uh, is here here in the U.S. and um, they spent last uh, last couple years. Um, well, I guess last three or four years as, as missionaries, last year they were in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, and this family in particular was serving in uh, in Malaysia, where it's a Muslim country and uh, conversion for Muslims is illegal, and so is evangelization. So they had to kind of figure out how to do that, uh, you know, how do you evangelize um, discreetly, and and yet you know the goal, the end game for missionaries is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, so we're we're not there just to hang out or just have fun. Uh, if we wanted to do that, we'd probably just stay home. Um, but just how do we how do we do that in that environment? And so this particular family, they're, they're a, he was a successful business guy uh, when they found their call to, to missions and sold everything. Again, these guys are all there for Jesus. Super exciting. And um, and in that, you know, um, we're serving in Malaysia and. And they have, like, I think they have six kids as well, seven kids maybe. Um, and, and you know, as a family, um, we're, we're trying to look for opportunities to engage, opportunities to share. And so they, they found, uh, they learned about this AIDS home, this home for uh, sort of like a, a home for patients with AIDS, or maybe even hospice type situation where these folks are, um, you know, pretty well along into the disease uh uh, into the course of the disease, and uh, they, they encountered this one guy uh, who had had kind of made a, a series of poor choices in his life that that led him uh, to to this illness, and um, just they really just felt the Lord tugging on their heart to meet with meet with this one particular gentleman. They invited a number of us, their friends, to, to fast and pray uh, for him and for the conversion of, of others that they were 
working with and language being a limitation, the fact that the AIDS home was a government run uh, facility, uh, they really had to kind of, you know, be a little bit discreet. But as they sat, they just felt the Lord invited them to sit with this, with this gentleman, uh, who was sort of bed bound at that time. Um, and, you know, he, he would light, he began to light up, you know, visit after visit when their kids would show up and, uh, sort of see the transformation happening in this guy. Uh, and, and slowly they got to, you know, share that they were there because of Jesus. They, they pulled out a, a, an image of the sacred heart uh, on a prayer card and, and, you know, would point to it and point to him and try to let him know that Jesus loves him. Uh, eventually this, this man sort of uh, reached out to the card, you know, to touch the, the image of the sacred heart and then touch his own heart and, uh, and they knew that, that he was, um, even though his, his words uh, were limited uh, by his illness, uh, that he was desiring to accept the Lord, um, and 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 they saw that transformation in him. So this is sort of a simple and humble story of this guy, uh, the transformation that can happen in the lives of, of folks, and and actually they were able to to bring this this man um, shortly before his death uh, by his own desire uh, into into the body of Christ through baptism. Um, Sort of undercover uh, and emergency type situation. Another story that was coming to mind for me this morning is um, a few. I guess back in 2002, myself and a few of my friends went to serve in in India for a summer. And um, you know, most of us don't realize, Joe, that today in the world there's seven billion people. Maybe a little context. So there's seven billion people, uh, seven plus billion people on the planet Earth. Two billion are Christian. So that means that, you know, 5 billion uh, are not Christian. Most of them are not Christian, not because they've rejected Christ or they're not interested in becoming disciples of Jesus, but because no one has ever told them about Jesus. No one has ever invited them into a saving relationship with Jesus. And so uh, the Great Commission or this mission of the church is is still in its infancy. It's not like it's been done. And we're kind of we have a false sense of that sometimes here in the United States or living in a, in a Christian or, you know, some would refer to the post-Christian world is, oh, yeah, you know, kind of the gospel is, is old hat and, you know, lots of people projected that. And that certainly may be true in our culture, but in most of the world, they haven't rejected the Lord. They have never been introduced to him. And so we were in a train station in India, and uh, my friend was sitting there. He had his, his cross on, his crucifix on, and he had uh, a bunch of miraculous medals and medals of saints and such. And um, he was sitting at a train station, and he, he just uh, struck up a conversation uh, with this Hindu woman that was at the train station with us. And they started to talk, and, you know, um, and, and he started, she asked him, uh, I think the conversation began with her asking him, what was that around his neck? You know, what is this image of the, the crucified man on his neck? And, um, and he starts to share about Jesus and the way, uh, that Jesus loves us and that he died for us and, and kind of gives a basic gospel message in that, in that moment, that conversation. And she looks at him and she says, I would trade all of my gods for your God. Um, and, and to me, that was such a powerful, uh, exchange and, and such a striking, um, I guess like testament to the need for us to be ready and willing to bring our faith to those who have yet to know him. And that this woman, in that short moment, in this uh, very brief description of, of, of who the Lord was for, for my friend Eric, 
was ready and willing to trade all of her God uh, to know Jesus, the one true God. Amen. And that, that's, it's uh, it almost, I'm sure people are listening, it sounds like these are stories we read. You know, if people not knowing what a crucifix is or, or situations where people don't know, know who Jesus is, the church, especially Pope Francis, um, but even Bishop Kimmy, who sometimes is on this call, has been talking a lot, Joseph, about missionary discipleship. And I know that uh, Family Missions Company, and I, I'm I'm a big fan of it, and kind of a collaborator in this project. You guys have mm-hmm. decided to say, hey, we want to we want to not only do this at train stations in India um, and you know, AIDS clinics in Malaysia, but we want to equip people in the United States to you know become missionary disciples and to teach their families and their and to be uh, evangelize their neighbors, um, and not even have to leave their their home. To go do this. So, can you tell us a little bit about this program that, that the Lord has kind of birthed in family missions, and then maybe even a couple practical tips that folks can start using um, to evangelize uh, in their neighborhoods okay. and to their even their families. Yeah, great man. So, yeah, as, as you know, Joe, um, we're we're you know this is a gift and a call that God's given us at Family Mission Companies: go to the ends of the earth and proclaim the gospel. Interestingly enough, the Great Commission of Jesus is certainly not uh, specific to Family Missions Company. This is the program of the church, is the Great Commission. Okay, there, there's no other. Jesus leaves the church with one thing. It's the Great Commission uh, to go in and make disciples. And so um, one of the things that, that what we were recognizing um, is that this, this formation that, that we have uh, – uh, built up here at Family Missions Company, a training center, our missionaries that, um, man, there's so much, uh, formation that could be had within the Catholic Church to raise up missionary disciples everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Pope Francis in his, uh, exhortation, Joy of the Gospel says there are no longer, I mean, there's no need to say missionaries and disciples. There are only missionary disciples. So there's no need to say missionaries and disciples. There are only missionary disciples. So how do we become missionary disciples of Jesus? And uh, one thing that's interesting and encouraging, on the one hand, is in the church, there's a lot of conversation, discussion about missionary discipleship, and it's, it's kind of, uh, which is which is great. Um, at the same time, uh, what does that mean? And, and we, we recognize uh, here at SNC that um, this is something that we are particularly, um, you know, this is a particular gift that we have to offer to the greater church. And so we, we set about uh, to create a formation series um, that, that people could uh, experience and encounter within their parishes or, or in their homes and small groups, um, that they could take part in a formation that would equip them to be missionary disciples. How do they, uh, in their own lives, uh, serve as missionary disciples, whether that is to, you know, uh, their next-door neighbors, the trailer park down the road, um, or whether it's to the ends of the earth, you know, Beijing, China, and uh, and and uh, other Bangkok, Thailand, and other places that uh, sorely uh, lack the gospel message. And so, how can we how can we equip folks? And so, what we've done is we've taken a 13 part uh, series and broken these things down into sessions that people can watch online. We're preparing to launch a pilot version here in September. The program is called Into the Deep, which is a reference of Jesus. Um, inviting the disciples into the deep for a catch. So we want to go deeper in formation, but with the purpose of, of bring, you know, being fishers of men uh, in, in that effort. And so these, this formation series, again, is, is a video series that you both can watch 
uh, followed with some, some curriculum and some biblical and magisterial foundations uh, as a resource to them. And then with every uh, with every session, you know, we're big in the church, and, and rightly so, uh, you often hear kind of stress emphasize the importance of orthodoxy, right, to be in right doctrine, right truth, right teaching. Um, and that's good. Uh, one of the things that we, we want to emphasize with this program is not only orthodoxy, but also orthopraxy. How do we live rightly? How do we put into practice right teaching and, and good doctrine? Um, and so with every session, there's a challenge, there's an invitation. And, um, yeah, so I think I would encourage any of the listeners who, who maybe feel encouraged or inspired this morning and want to go deeper, maybe want to do something with their parish or do something in their diocese uh, into the deep, uh, and you can check us out on familymissionscompany.com. Um, there's not a lot online yet because we'll be launching in September, but uh, maybe we can keep keep your listeners posted. And then practically, you asked how do, how do people practically. I think one of the two things that come to mind when you said that, I didn't know you were going to ask that particular question, uh, but just jumped to my heart and maybe the Holy Spirit. Just everyone needs to be in touch with their testimony. What is their encounter with Jesus and how has it changed their lives? Like, what does Jesus mean? in your life and be ready to share that. So I want to challenge everybody listening today to take a moment to reflect on why has Jesus changed me? And it doesn't, this is not your call to ministry. This is not, it's just a personal experience. How did Jesus, uh, what does Jesus mean in my life? How is my life different or better because of Jesus? And then ask God for the opportunity, ask the Holy Spirit for the opportunity to share that testimony with uh, one or two people this week and then be on the lookout. Okay, and uh, so I just want to challenge the folks listening uh, to do that. Uh, St. Peter invites us to always be ready to give a witness for our hope, uh, which, of course, is our relationship with the Lord. And so that would be my challenge, I guess, in a practical way, how to do that. And also be ready to pray with people. You know, there's a lot of kind of chaos going on. There's a lot of hurt in, in the world and people's lives. Even just this past week, uh, you know, there's a number of folks that we knew and are close to who experienced tragedies in their life. Um, we're pretty good about saying, hey, let me pray for, you know, I'll be praying for you, which is excellent, and we ought to be doing that. But uh, let's say, hey, can I pray with you? And just as you did at the beginning of this call, Joe, just be ready to say, hey, you know, brother, I want to pray with you, and uh, can I pray with you for that? Or would you like prayer for that? And um, and in that moment, pray with that person, because God can do much more than we can do. So when we bring these things to the Lord, uh, he can He can act in even in those moments. So those would be my two uh, challenges, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are pretty solid. I'm sitting here thinking for myself. Have I? How am I doing on both? So I might have to work on that myself, Joseph. Um, let let me let me ask you, kind of as a, a light, and we we sort of touched on it right there with these two challenges. But there are a lot of men listening to this call, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I know you, and I know uh, I know your bride, and I know you have six children. I know that you've done men's ministry, and you guys do a lot of work um, with men all over the world. But is there maybe a couple quick things you'd say, you know what, as a, as a Catholic man in the world today, this is what we need. You know, this okay. is, this is what, what I'm, this is what kind of the Lord's stirring up in me that, that I think we as men mm. have to do. Is there a couple things that have come to you, um, before we pray our way out of here that, that you, you've seen or felt? Yeah, praise God. Well, man, I, I don't think there's really any secret sauce there. You know, I think the biggest, if there's like one thing, practical thing I was going to, I would say it would be, you know, to, to be a man of prayer and to be faithful every day to spending time uh, in prayer with the Lord and carving out no less than 15 minutes of just quiet time and prayer 
If you have the opportunity to go pray uh, in a chapel for the sacrament, that's powerful. Uh, even if not, you know, go go find some space and, and be a man of prayer. So that, on the practical side, that that's, would be the actionable thing, I would say. Um, but I think the thing that was coming to me as I was reflecting on that question um, before this, this session was just to be all in for Jesus, to be all in for Jesus, that um, the church doesn't need and the world doesn't need uh, people who are like halfway interested in the Lord. You know, uh, there's, there's no need for, for Christians who are sort of halfway living their faith. Um, what we need to do is be all in for Jesus. May it, well, if we believe what we believe, it's so audacious, it's so crazy that we may as well be all in in it. And I think as men, that's something that we can relate to in so many spheres. So like all the greatest athletes are not like half, you know, halfway committed. You know, they're, they are all in all the greatest, you know, even the greatest businessmen, like they are all in on what they're in on. So as Catholics, we should be all in for Jesus. And then as Catholic men, uh, we should be all in as, as husbands and fathers. And if you are not investing all the way and do an examine of your heart, am I really all in in my faith? Number one, am I really all in with my wife? Am I listening? You know, am I in? Am I investing in this relationship? And the same thing with our children. Am I all in for my kids? Um, and if there's three areas to be all in, uh, I couldn't imagine three more meaningful and significant ones than, uh, you know, in our faith, uh, with our, with our wives and with our children. And then, you know, the rest will flow, whether it be our business and, and, and colleagues and, and all that stuff. Uh, but, but first and foremost, with, with our faith, with our wives and with our children. Uh, that's, that is strong. Well, Joseph, I'm going to have you pray for us, and then Scott will come in and kind of close. But I do want to say to everybody, listen, familymissionscompany.com, they have a blog that reads like a, uh, like a Catholic, uh, just a place for mentorship and inspiration and encouragement. I go read all these family stories of families all over the, all over the world that are serving in missions, and they, they put, they, they write on the blog on, on familymissionscompany.com. So please visit there. Please check it out. Joseph, if you'll pray for us, Scott will come in on the back end and close us out, but I thank you. Yeah. Um, know we're praying for you, and what is it? I'll leave it with you praying for us out of this call. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for listening today, and uh, we just want to come before you, Lord Jesus, uh, in thanksgiving and awe and reverence for who you are and the fact that you love us. Lord, we just ask that that would uh, strike us anew today, Lord, that today we would be uh, sort of taken aback by the fact that you are a loving and good God that cares for us, that knows every hair that's on our head, that knows when we sit and when we stand. And I just ask for a grace uh, this day for each of us here listening um, to be aware of your love for us and of your presence in our lives. And let that be meaningful, let that be transformative uh, for us, for our families, uh, for our parishes, and for the whole world. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you, Joe. Um, thank you, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being out there on the front lines of faith, uh, just sharing, uh, the gospel, the good news with, with the world, with those who haven't encountered him and being willing to share, obviously, with, uh, the friends and family and neighbors here. I also, uh, want to thank you for making my job easy this morning by, uh, challenging us, uh, giving us that challenge of sharing our personal testimony, that witness of, you know, what does Jesus mean to me and, how is my life different or better because of him? And and really, not just to, to sit and think about it, but to invite the Holy Spirit to, to bring someone into our sphere, into our life that we can actually share that with. And then, uh, yeah, a good reminder to just 
be willing to pray with people because that can be such a powerful moment that can touch their lives and let them know the, the Lord's love. So uh, thanks for uh, putting that together and challenging us to uh, maybe get outside of our comfort zone this week. The next couple of weeks, we have Father Stephen Rindolph with Warriors on the Way, who is working on healing veterans uh, who suffer from PTSD and other uh, other illnesses related to their service. And it'll be a great conversation about how uh, pilgrimage and walking and healing can occur with the Lord's help. And the following week, we have retired Vice Admiral Jim Crawford, who was the former Judge Advocate General of the U.S. Navy. So he was involved in some high-level decisions with the Navy, and it uh, should be a great conversation. He's a great man of faith and service. So. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for all that you do. You are the reason that we are here, uh, our listeners, and know that uh, we are united together in prayer with our Lord, with our Lady, and with Father Capon. So uh, get out there, be bold, share the faith, and uh, let's uh, encourage one another and build one another up in everything that we do. Thanks, men, and God bless. Thanks for joining us in the Foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capon himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.